Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800-238-9182, 800-238-9182, Again, that's 800-238-9182. The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for RadioLawTalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, RadioLawTalk.com. All right, I got in, I, I found the Halloween candy. <sighs> This is Frederick Penny, Radio Law Talk, Hour 3 of Radio Law Talk. We love being here. This is the most exciting, extraordinary, and sometimes entertaining uh, show on earth. Well, I'm going to say entertaining, but sometimes informative show on earth because you know what? You just can't have a better time than Saturday uh, mornings uh, listening to us. Call us at 855-LAW-RADIO if you want to talk to us. We're going to talk about some very interesting things. We're going to talk about Alec Baldwin, the latest Really interesting, I'm going to call it a misfire of a prop gun. Um, we're going to talk about the latest on uh, uh, Maxwell, uh, uh, Glissley, I always say it wrong, Glissley? Gislaine. Gislaine Maxwell. And then we're going to talk about Britney Spears and the latest on the Kobe Bryant case, what's going on there. Um, there's a lot of interesting topics uh, that we're going to talk about. Remember, seek counsel. We're not giving legal advice. Uh, we're just talking about general topics of law. Um, go to our go to uh, www.radiolawtalk.com if you want to listen live or tell your friends to listen live. Um, and then what we've got is any and all social media. Just type in Radio Law Talk. You're going to find us. Not Law Talk, Radio Law Talk. And you're going to find us on all our social media platforms. But uh, we really enjoy being here. Uh, and, and Cal Hunter, our producer, has stumped us. Hour two on case or no case, and let's see if he can stump us here on hour three. Go ahead. Now it's time to play case or no case. We all know it was dumb luck. However, it was a raucous church-sponsored activity. Boys playing basketball because their outdoor activity was canceled. Bad weather. And they were handing out bite-sized Halloween candy. What could go wrong? One of the boys grabbed a bite-sized Snickers bar and thought it would be fun to heave it at another one of the boys, aggressively, and he did, hit him right in the eyeball, causing swelling and bleeding and just a general mess. For the parents of the victim child, that meant trips to the ophthalmologist, the emergency room, because the kid's eye was pretty badly damaged. The offending boy was apologetic, but we all know that apologies don't pay the bills, and there were many, more than $3,000 worth. 
So after talking to the thrower's family and getting no acceptable response, namely a check, they talked to a lawyer and said, can we recover our expenses on this matter? And that is our query for case or no case. Mr. Fred Penny, what say you? This is down my alley, of course. Of course. Look, uh, the parents, generally speaking, are not going to be held liable. Every state's different. you got to look at your state. You've got to talk to a local lawyer. But uh, generally speaking, uh, parents are not always liable. Everyone thinks, oh, the, the parents, I'm going to sue the parents because the kid did something. Not necessarily true. There, the, there's a standard you got to... You've got to show that uh, basically the the it's kind of the famous keys case, and there's uh, cases that that have come down in California that I've discussed before. But um, as in, okay, you you know your son's a drunk, and you know he's not doesn't have a driver's license and drives drunk. This is an example, and yet you keep the keys sitting there hanging, uh, and the son's 21, whatever, hanging there uh, right by the telephone in the in the family room, in the kitchen where he can get them. You know, stuff like that. They may be. Uh, liable, but but in this case, uh, there's no way the parents are going to be liable, in, in my opinion, because the kid threw a uh, Snickers bar or whatever it was. Yeah, bite size. Bite size, and here's the best part about it, Cal. <laughs> this is this is typical church ball. You know, this is this is what you do at church. You throw things. The kids go in and play and have a good time. And this sounds like a uh, trunk or treat, uh, kids playing around in a trunk or treat, which is typical. This may have happened at, at Cal's church, and he's just trying to lay it out. And this is not a case, but <laughs> probably a scenario with his own kid that threw it at someone. So no, there you go. Oh, my child would never do such an affair. No, no, no kid would ever do that. Mr. Cunin, what say you? Since Fred says no case, what's your thinking? He stole my answer. I agree with Fred. <laughs> I, I, I think this is, uh, is something that, you know— Cal is looking at it saying, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people playing church ball and doing stuff. How can I make them think twice about having fun? I'm going to make up a story. Well, uh, no well the question is, really, in, in this, my thinking is, how do the parents recover that $3,000 loss? I mean, that's an expensive trip, you know, an eyeball deal. That's that's expensive. So that was my thinking. But anyway. When you made up the story, that was your thinking to I'm, see if you I'm could. Just, okay, yeah. No, no case. <laughs> No case. <laughs> Denise, what do you think? Well, I, I would say keep the fun size Snickers to yourself, please. But in this particular case, I don't know who brought the Snickers, bite size Snickers. Who brought it? Uh, the leaders of the, you know, the, the, like the, the people putting the activity together brought the it. The church leaders, yeah, right? Right, exactly. And it's in, in a, a church facility. Yes. Um, well, they could sue the insurance company for the church facility, premise liability, and it could be premise liability uh, based upon an intentional act or a negligent act, if you will, of one of the people on the premises that got injured. So there could be recovery, in my opinion. Um, so I'm going to say, because I think it has to be something weird, I think both Todd and, and Fred are saying uh, this is Cal trying to, you know, Trying to get trying to fool us yeah. again. Absolutely no. But I'm saying that I think it's a case. Wow. And they recover, and it nice. could be under small claims theory. And they could have recovered for against the church or the kids' parents. Either yes, way, that's what I'm saying. Hmm. Well, that's what makes it interesting because as this all turned out, no case was filed. The church had insurance to cover itself, 
and the child's parents also had medical insurance. So they said, it's not that big a deal. We'll just go ahead and get his eyeball So it's not a case. So it Dang is it, but I was right. No case. You were <laughs> but right. it's an actual situation. Did yeah, you hear it about is. it? Was it in the news or was it just well, someone you knew about? When I served in leadership in my church, oh. this kind of thing would occasionally happen. And they would, you know, they'd train us about it. And be church ball. Right. That's church ball, man. Just I tell you right now, the nicest people in the world will become the most evil people during church ball. Darn straight. It's so you want to hear what's interesting? Sure. Todd is ahead at 38 points, and you know what that means if he wins? What? No dinner. <laughs> no dinner? Well, oh, because you will have won one, Fred will have won one, and I will have won one? What are, what's my points? We cancel everybody out. What do I have? Uh, you have 34, and Cal has a whopping 14. Yes. 34. So I'm only four behind. Uh, that's the first one to 50 points, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the, the other uh, hosts have to buy dinner for the winner, and so... Todd owes Denise and I uh, dinner, and so we're just waiting for that. And obviously, and by the it way, hasn't happened yet. I have virtually no chance of getting that amount of points. Virtually no chance because for me to get my two points, I have to fool all three of them. That's right. So I, I have no chance. That's but, exactly right. But it's still fun to try. Oh, but we're fools. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the fool. So let's talk about this case. This is very interesting to me. Um, and again, uh, this is up my alley. And um, the very famous helicopter accident case, we, I can go in detail and discuss, but uh, we won't. So what happens is Vanessa Bryant, uh, her daughter passed away and Kobe passed away uh, in this tragic uh, helicopter accident. And by the way... Uh, a lot of the tragedy is too the all the other individuals that passed away were never. I mean, and they're not going to get the notoriety, but the, it was sad. There was like a, they fa- did get a family. Some yeah, oh, I know, but the, but I, I don't know that there's even enough money involved with the. It depends again. It, it, the the settlement. Kobe's uh, wife settled the case with the helicopter company and the FAA. She they tried to sue the FAA also. Um, and and uh, what what happened after that is remember the pictures were taking taken of Kobe and his daughter um, dead and those pictures were circulated amongst the police officers generally speaking she's suing about that so we're going to come back and talk about what the latest motion by the government is to make Vanessa do we'll be right back. You are listening to Radio Law Talk on many great local radio stations. We appreciate that. Many are listening on RadioLawTalk.com, and some are listening via podcast from RadioLawTalk.com. However you're listening, we want to say two words. Thank you, and we'll be back. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him, like, a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. 
and they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-711-9218. 800-711-9218. 800-711-9218. That's 800-711-9218. I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. The best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell in your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. Your car smells good and it's clean at Quick Cut Car Wash. And I know this place right down the road. Quick 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 Quack car, car, car Wash. Quick Quack Car Wash. Get the quick quack confidence. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Get the quick quack habit. Take a car once a week. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. I like quick quack because of the mascot, Quackles. Come on, quick quack car. So we sell unlimited membership for per vehicle. You can add a family plan and add an additional vehicle at a discounted rate. Don't drive that dirty car. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800 918 1376 radiolawtalk.com. So uh, during the break, we're talking about some very interesting issues with Vanessa Bryant's case against the uh, 
I believe it's L.A. County Sheriff. Uh, yes. I can't remember. I think it's L.A. County Sheriff. And the government uh, uh, concerning these pictures that were taken of Kobe and her daughter um, dead, basically, at the scene. So a, a lot of it, you know, and as Todd and I and Denise were talking, a lot of it comes down to facts, right? What are the facts and what happened? So there's a couple of things we have to look at. We have to look at it is not unusual, and I have handled a lot of death cases, uh, that the officers or people at the scene, individuals that are, I'm going to say, uh, you know, officials, take pictures of the deceased. Um, that happens all the time. I see them all the time. It is it's standard. It's basically standard procedure, right? Um, now, the question is, what happens to that? That usually gets put into evidence. It usually, usually does not get dispersed. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that according to the law, right? In fact, there's times we have to use it sometimes as lawyers uh, before a jury. And there's reasons we, we use it for, you know, did they survive, you know? And if they did survive, you know, because there's survival actions and there's wrongful death actions, right? Uh, what did they suffer or how did they suffer? And there's a lot of details that we go into. But the question here is, my understanding as we discuss this is, these were individual officers' private cell phones taking pictures, and one of the officers trying to hit on a, a lady apparently showed it, uh, these pictures that he took on his private phone to some girl in a bar, and the bartender overheard it and, and reported it. So, uh, you know, that's clearly outside the scope. Um, but uh, of what he was allowed to or should be doing. But um, it would be a different scenario if it was, okay, there's pictures taken and put in evidence and someone st- stole it and showed somebody, right? Yeah. Um, so, so what's going on here is the issue is what damages did Vanessa um, suffer? That's the question. And what her are her family damages? members too. Right. Mm-hmm. What are the damages? The damages are, you know, pain and suffering, you know, income. I mean, I mean, you know, emotional psychological, distress. emotional distress. But how does that, what the government's arguing is, how does that differ from that emotional distress and, and damages from the actual accident and death, which you've already settled out for, right? So what they do, and they have the absolute right to do, is they have to, she has to show up to a psychiatrist on behalf of the defendant who they're suing has the right to have her to go to psychiatrist and they're blowing it up here like, oh, they're making her go to see Absolutely they have the right to do that because they can defend themselves. And when a plaintiff sues and whatever they sue for, whatever the list is, the other side has the right to use a doctor to refute those issues, but they can't have a ton of different doctors. It's usually one. And that's what's going on here. And what they're doing is absolutely normal. And it is not unusual, and the, the the press is kind of blown up like, oh, my gosh, they're making her go see a psychiatrist. Well, yeah, she's claiming emotional distress, and they have the right to defend themselves. Yeah, I think the hard part here is they're even trying to do an independent medical evaluation of or examination of the five-year-old child, and that's where it's starting to get a little more rough. But there's a lot of causes of action where you have a right as a defendant to they have do. the psychological evaluation. Like whenever somebody alleges emotional distress, whenever somebody alleges is loss of consortium or right. loss of a relationship. Uh, whenever there's uh, allegations of mental distress, um, those type of injuries uh, require some kind of an independent medical examination. Yeah, and just Todd, I'll jump to you. But and and a five year old Denise, they can do that. Generally speaking, they can. Um, but they've got to be really careful. And a judge, a good judge, will set parameters. 
Uh, a lot of times you can have your uh, person there. If you're hired as a plaintiff, you know, you can have your doctors there or one of your attorneys there mm-hmm. to make sure things occur right and there's no abuse, right? I'm yeah, just, that's a good I, point. I'm just curious if there's any expert, mental health expert who, who let's say they submit to these, that would write a report, and, and maybe there are, I don't know, I, I'll, I'll freely admit that I'm, this is not my wheelhouse, but I'm just curious if there are any experts out there that would author a report that says, after interviewing Miss Bryant, in my professional opinion, the anxiety and stress that she is suffering is because of the loss of her husband and the dissemination of pictures as reported back to her have not added to her stress at all. I doubt that would occur. In fact, I think that there will be an expert that will say that she has nightmares about seeing the dead bodies in the press, that she is so worried that her children are going to see um, these pictures because everybody knows they're out there. She found out about it through the media, and that's what I think the the independent medical evaluation is going to uncover whether that's happening. The only follow-up to that, because Fred has talked about they have the right to do this, and I agree that they do, but – Personally, I don't know that I would want to be the defendant, even if they did find an expert that could say something like that, that would go to trial and actually try to argue that to a jury. No, I'll tell you exactly. I, I, let me tell you, I, don't even, I know the answer. That. I've seen this too many times. Um, and, and, and again, we're not throwing an opinion here. We're just generally talking because as attorneys, we're not saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. But what I see happening is the defense's psychiatrist or, or psychiatric examiner – I can almost see no way that person's not no way that person's going to say she had no anxiety because of that picture issue. All they're going to try to do is disseminate it down to yes she did, but it wasn't as much as you think it is. For them to come in and say she had no anxiety or no mental anguish because of those picture issue, the jury's just going to kick them right off. The jury's just going to ignore them. I think you're right. But they're going to come in and just lessen it is what they're going to say, which might be true. It might be true. So um, that's, I think, what's going to happen. I have a question first. So what if the defense now gathers up and corrals all of the pictures and said, here's the original pictures. You can have them destroy them. Is that mitigation of damages? Uh, I'm going to say no because this is the way I always say. When uh, uh, there's a famous saying that when you do damage to someone, it's like throwing a feather pillow, open a feather pillow and throw it in the air with the wind. Go back and try to pick up all the feathers. It's just not going to happen, right? So I think that's going to be difficult. I, but I still think it's going to be just mitigating or, or lessening. The, the experts going to say she's not quite as bad as you say she is, but she has suffered some. We're going to be back after this. we are got more stuff at Radio Law Talk we're going to discuss, including Britney Spears. Fred, Todd, and Denise will be right back with more Radio Law Talk after we take this break. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. 
So they called this company they heard on the radio called the Tax Doctor. And the Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. Keep listening for an exciting offer from U.S. Med. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain and inconvenience of pricking your fingers over and over again by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM. You can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, Call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. 800-251-7560. 800-251-7560. We'll tell you all you need to know about CGMs. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And with insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now to learn more. 800-251-7560. Radio Law Talk. I like that show. Oh, that's down. Now, Radio Law Talk continues. Here's your host, Fred Penny. So, a very tragic thing occurred recently on a movie set that uh, Todd's going to talk to us about, about Alec Baldwin. They, there's a lot of stunts that occur on movie sets, including with firearms and animals, et cetera, et cetera. And they actually have a, an actual, like, safety team that, that reviews and does things. And so, tell us what happened in this case, Todd, and what the latest is. So, Alec Baldwin is in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, I believe, filming a, a, a Western, an older, a period piece. It's older, um, set older. And there was an accident on the set that resulted in the death of the director of photography and serious injuries to the director of the film. And the accident occurred, according to reports, and this is all the reports that have been out. I have no firsthand knowledge, but according to report, reports, the accident occurred when Alec Baldwin was given a gun, told it was a prop gun, alleged, uh, apparently believed it was unloaded as part of the scene that was being filmed, pulled the trigger and an actual uh, – the gun discharged and shot both the director of photography and the director, killing ultimately the director of photography. And so there's a lot of questions. I've seen so many articles. Can, can Alec Baldwin be charged with murder, homicide? What can be charged with? What did he know? What are the criminal – ramifications and 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 that, that speculation has been exacerbated by the fact that the uh, local law enforcement drafted a warrant uh, so that they could go in and see certain items because they have a responsibility to investigate this circumstance and we've been charged with anything at this time and but the warrant that was drafted leads people to think that this uh, could be a criminal matter and I suppose theoretically it could be a criminal matter and there's been a lot of speculation as to what what was the setup that would have resulted in this happening anyway. And as Fred talked about, 
On a movie set, when it comes to the use of firearms, there are there's a safety expert, a designated safety expert, and a protocol for the use of firearms on a movie set to help ensure that things like this don't happen, but sometimes they do. Anybody that is familiar with the, was it the movie The Crow uh, with Brandon Lee, uh, Bruce Lee's son, he was killed on a movie set. He was shot in the chest. Very similar uh, situation. Exactly. And, and the circumstances of that case may very well have been at play here. And it, it doesn't didn't appear in that case to be anything intentional, but it was negligent. You know, the person exactly. in charge of the safety has certain things they're supposed to be looking at, and that may or may not have happened. The, I can Im- envision a scenario in which the director of photography and the director would be shot. Anybody who's seen a Clint Eastwood movie, the Dirty Harry movies, you know, that what's the iconic line, uh, go ahead, make my day. And that shot is with Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry with a gun and we see the image, the view from the person that the gun is being pointed at. So the so camera the has a gun pointed right at them. It's a revolver. You can see the bullets on the side of the revolver that would be turned, and that is a shot that would you know, it adds for suspense. Given the fact that the, the people behind the camera in a shot like that filming it would be the director of photography and the director. So I'm going to interrupt there. So why can't they film that that way? And then when the time that they, they roll it and then they step away from it as he's shooting. Why can't they? Because they can't get the, the, the it, it, camera. It, it, it dep- no, they got the camera going and they get it rolling and they, and they walk away because you, the camera's you, you rolling lock, lock down the camera and lock just it down. make the camera unattended. No, yeah. and just and just and you're, you start to film and right before the trigger, they, they like, keep it rolling and they walk away and leave it unattended. Just step to the side just in case. Okay, yeah, you could. It depends on what the shot calls for. If it's a static shot, I get that. Sometimes they have the focus set, the depth of field is set such that if the barrel, tip of the barrel is out of focus, the eyes are in. And maybe it's a shot where they focus on the eyes where he says something, and then the focus changes so that you're focused on the edge of the barrel, and boom, the shot comes out. If it's something like that, there are a lot of reasons why. Technology to this day, they could probably do it remotely, step to the side, and still do it. You see what I'm well, saying? Well, with a camera, and then they can see what the camera's doing. I'm just saying, to me, the way the technology is nowadays, the safety should be no one should be looking through that lens when a gun, even if it's not real, is being shot at. And and again, I think that maybe there would be experts that would testify to that. And, and there are a lot of creatives out there that would look at that and say, uh, in a situation like that, Nine times out of ten, and I'm not saying this is what happened on the set down in Santa Fe, but nine times out of ten, you got a director and a director of photography sitting there saying, you know, would it be awesome if we could do this, but we're going to have to be right here. We can do it. It's, it's, it's okay. And they're the ones pushing for the shot. They are the ones pushing for the shot, not somebody else saying, you got to do this shot. And the DP sitting there saying, I don't want to do this shot. I, I, I'm putting myself in peril. The, deep, the director of photography and the director are the ones pushing for that specific shot. And so they do that. But – there are a couple of things in this case that gave me that I that I think that they're investigating right now. First, according to reports that have come out, the assistant director was the one who retrieved the gun, get the prop gun, gave it to Alec Baldwin, told Baldwin cold gun meaning it's not loaded, and they proceeded with the scene. So, I got an issue with that. 
Normally on set, it's not the assistant director that hands the gun to the actor. It is the safety expert. They are in charge of that gun from the time, you know, the only time they're not in charge of that gun is when they physically put it into the actor's hands to the end of the scene, and then they take it from the actor. Every other time, it's in the custody and control of the armor. If it's true that the assistant director was the one who grabbed the gun, there were three sitting there, and gave it to Alec Baldwin, the question here is, why wasn't the safety expert the one doing that? Because they go through the whole protocol of checking it to make sure it's loaded and not loaded, and that the correct gun is the one that's given. And, and that is probably what they're looking at here. Right. And one thing for sure is that Alec Baldwin is not going to get charged for murder. And that's because there was an intervening factor. That was the person who um, handed the gun to him and represented that it was um, not an active gun. That, so that, that, that is true. Although I will say that anybody that handles a gun on a movie set, should receive training in the safe handling of that gun. The safe training includes anytime you are handed a gun, regardless of what somebody tells you, you should do an independent check. That is in the, uh, the protocol, the Actors' Equity Protocol Safety Guidelines. So arguably, you could, you could make the argument that even though he gets the gun, he still has an independent responsibility to take a look at to see if the gun is loaded, the type of bullets that are in the gun. Although, if it was similar to the Brandon Lee incident... It, he may not have seen it even if he had conducted that check because of certain the, technicalities. The, the, ballot, the bullet could have been already in, the, and you couldn't have seen that it was not in the barrel. From, or the pr- little, from, a previous, well, from a previous scene, there's a way in which a bullet can become lodged in the barrel of the gun so that in the next scene, even if you're using a blank that has no bullet in the chamber – of the uh, of the revolver portion, if you pull that trigger, the bullet that was lodged in the barrel is going to go out. That's what happened in the Brandon Lee case. It's why still is there ever early. a bullet in there if they're not using? Why do they even have to have a bullet in there when they can just have blanks? Great, I think great I know. Question. Great I think question. I know. Yeah. Because they want to film. Let's say that the first bullet goes into a wall. So they have the gun. They shoot a hole in the wall and they film it going into a wall, right? So it's it's could be part of the um, the cinematography. And, and and second, for that shot that is right down the barrel of the gun, well, you would want the an actual slug on the side so that the audience knows that, hey, this is a loaded gun as you see that revolver go. Now, in those cases, there's not supposed to be any... Any wad. It's just supposed to be a slug in a in an empty shell. But there's ways to not happens. have a slug in there. I just don't know. Well, the uh, the yeah. armament person who was on the set was the daughter of the most famous armament person in Hollywood, who had been doing this since Gunsmoke and all of those old TV shows. And she said in a podcast earlier. She lacked confidence in her ability to do this. What? And then she said, but once I got going, I feel pretty comfortable with it. I, so, I, yeah, yeah. Just, just, to, just to follow up on that, what she said was the last film that she had done was with Nick Cage. When she right. started out, she was nervous and lacked confidence. But yeah. once it got going in that, that she was fine. I don't think that there's been any statement by her that on this set with this film not, that she not relating to this film. I'm yeah. just saying in general, her initial, like anybody would be dealing with live ammunition, it would be a little frightening and intimidating. Again, scenario. I'm going to repeat myself a hundred hundredth time. Why do you ever need a bullet in those when you're shooting? And I know Denise, you brought up something. I, the, the technology now. Why do you need a bullet ever to be in a gun on a set? I can see blanks. I can see real guns, but. 
I don't know. I just I don't cosmetic see bullets. I mean, it's there's all kinds of things way. you there's can do. I, I just yeah, don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. We come back. We're going to talk more. We're going to do a little bit about the uh, uh, what's her name, Brittany. Well, Brittany, we're going to talk about, and Denise, you're going to talk about. Well, we're just going to give Maxine? updates. Yeah, on Maxwell's case. Maxwell case. We'll be back. Stay tuned. As Fred just said, and Denise, there is more radio law talk coming up right here. You stay there, and the program will continue. Stay tuned for more Radio Law Talk. It's coming right up after we break away. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In. Ready to grow with you. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. I've got to get my car washed, this dirt, it just won't do. But I don't have no time today, I don't know what I do. Man, I know this place right down the road. Quick, quack, car wash. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. Come on, quick, quack, car wash. Don't drive that dirty car. Quick, quack, car wash. They'll have you looking sharp. My name is Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. I've assembled an excellent team of highly experienced personal injury trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. At Penny & Associates, we will aggressively represent you and your family when someone has been injured in an accident. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. For a free initial consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or call 1-800-616-4LAW and ask for Frederick, Stewart, Rob, Kevin, Kent, or Will. That's Frederick Penny at Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers, one 800 616 for law. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 
Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800-238-9182-800-238-9182-800-238-9182. Again, that's 800-238-9182. That is Armadillo. Now, Radio Law Talk continues. Here's your host, Fred Penny. Yeah, we're talking about how Todd's son is smarting off to him in those texts. All right. Oh, brother. Let's go ahead. Denise, you're up. Let's talk about what's the latest. The latest is, um, well, we talked, I think it was a couple weeks ago. We talked about um, Maxwell, who was an associate of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, We talked about the fact that both the prosecution and defense had agreed that the the juror questioning was not going to be made public prior to them occurring, right? Well, the judge actually rejected that because the press intervened. And the press said, look, we have a First Amendment right to have access to that information. And the judge agreed. And the judge went further and said that they she denied the defense's request that they get to question the jurors, the would-be jurors. And she said, I'm going to do the questioning. So, no, we're going to make the questioning, the questions public, and no defense isn't going to question the, the jurors, the would-be prospective jurors themselves. I will do the questions. Well, is this federal case, federal court? It is. Yeah, federal court, they do that most yeah. of the time. Yeah, it's very uh, – the attorneys don't get a lot of say in federal court. They do a lot of questions. Okay, so we're going to see what happens. So on just an one. update on yeah, the topic. Speaking of updates, Brittany Spears, the issue is about attorney-client privilege. You know, uh, And don't forget, we don't need to go into the, the history of Brittany Spears, but uh, you know, uh, what, what's going to happen with a conservatorship? Apparently, her dad's out, right? And the new, an accountant is in, one of her accountants is in. And then what's the issue with Brittany right now, Denise? Well, you have in a conservatorship, you have the conservator who is the professional or the fiduciary that is overseeing either her estate or overseeing her person. And then you have um, the um, conservatee who is Brittany. And the question becomes when the conservator is being advised by an attorney, who holds that attorney client privilege? Is it Brittany or is it the conservator? Or can it be the successor conservator? And that's what's super important. This is an extremely strategic case that I believe Britney Spears' new attorney had pre-thought out and that her dad, Jamie, had pre-thought out. And the thought is that her dad, Jamie, wanted to have the whole conservator dismissed right away. And that Britney's attorney didn't want to have it dismissed right away, will eventually, but not right now, because he can use the structure of the conservatorship itself to have the attorney-client privilege 
pass to the successor conservator so they have access to all the books, the records, all the communications between Jamie and the attorney for Jamie, the previous attorneys, the subsequent attorneys. And it's kind of a brilliant move, actually. So basically what what you're saying, though, is that I understand is attorney-client privilege, the conservator who was her dad, um, if he has the attorney-client privilege, so who doesn't hold it as the lawyer? It's the individual. Right, the individual holds it. That's why we argued in the whether you agree or disagree with Trump issue was his attorney who was blabbing his mouth. I don't even remember the guy's name. It's like Cohen. He, Cohen. He doesn't have the right to bring that stuff out. That's the person that is your client has to release your right to bring well, it up. But in this case, let me finish. In this case, the situation is: um, Does Britney Spears' dad, as the conservator at the time, have that attorney-client privilege? And I'm going to say yes, because I worry about a conservator. I know that you guys are going to have a different – this is why I love this. But I worry about a conservator being a conservator, okay? And you're sitting here doing stuff. And say it's not – you know, they don't like the way you did something or anything. But but yet, you know, and you're talking to your attorney about, okay, look, I don't know if this is right, but should I do it this way or this way? That should be an attorney-client privilege that's privileged to that conservator at that time. Otherwise, what would they do? I, I don't want to talk to anyone. Heaven forbid it's going to be revealed if I talk to my attorney about something. Denise, yes, a, a very big exception to the attorney-client privilege is information that conveys a crime. So if you have information that's sure. given, you know, um, that is a crime that's going to occur, and you say to your attorney, I'm going to commit a crime, or I've even committed a crime, that potentially does not is not covered by the attorney-client privilege. Even a criminal lawyer? Um, ex- there are exceptions even to that. Okay. Yes, I said it for future crimes. Well, Certainly if you committed a crime and you were honest with your criminal attorney, that would not be covered by it. It would be covered by the attorney-client privilege, now, now, but it's for future crimes. Th- there's, there's a caveat to that. It's not all future crimes. So I'm, I'm going to read this right out of the uh, barcode rules. This is Rule 1.6. Relating to confidential information, this is the California ethics, and this would be covered under California because it's a California case. A lawyer may but is not required to reveal information protected, attorney-client privilege information, to the extent that the lawyer reasonably believes the disclosure is necessary to prevent a criminal act that the lawyer reasonably believes is likely to result in the death of or substantial bodily harm to an individual. So the lawyer can – disclose information that goes to a crime if that crime will result in death or bodily injury to somebody. But if he says, I'm going to go out and go, right. get, grab a, steal a candy bar from 7-Eleven next week, that, but, that, but that, 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 is, that is not – that does not fall within the I can disclose it because it's a crime exception to the rules. Right. So th- This is a, a case where the, the thing that's being an, analogized is that when you have a trustee of a, an estate – or a trust. And that trustee has a successor trustee. It's already well established that when that successor trustee steps in, the attorney-client goes to that new successor trustee. The former trustee no longer has that attorney-client privilege. So they're trying to argue in in this case, in a conservatorship, that it's analogous to that situation, which is a very good argument. So so here's, here's here's the question that I have. Who does the attorney represent that we're talking about, even we're t- when we're talking about a successor? The person right now, is it Britney Spears' attorney or is it Jamie Spears' attorney? 
Who is it? Well, the attorney at the time, let's talk about the attorney during the time period when he was the conservator and there was no issues going on, uh, uh, supposed issues. That one attorney, let's assume, I'm assuming that one attorney was both their attorneys because he's acting on behalf of her. I mean, the whole time, you're saying from the day one, day one he, he had a, a separate attorney yes, and he and she had a separate she attorney. She was court-appointed attorney. Remember, she fight, fought to get her own chosen attorney. Okay, then, then, so they each had their own attorneys. Good. Then his attorney, during the whole conservatorship, there's an attorney-client privilege, and he doesn't have to reveal stuff that occurred during that a conservatorship uh, with uh, Britney Spears and that attorney, right? And then does the attorney-client privilege for the conservatorship pass to the new successor conservator? That's the legal issue that's there. So the so the I'm going to say no. So the, I'm saying still stay. Well, I'm sorry. It, I'm going to say it does to some degree, but it stays with with uh, the dad. That's I, right. I, I think I think Jamie Spears still has a claim. He he if he made confidential communications to an attorney and the attorney held them out is you can talk to me about this then that attorney still has a duty of confidentiality to Jamie Spears because remember the bar rules say you owe a duty of confidentiality to any current or former client and you're not supposed to act in detrimental to a former client and if the attorney was disclosing stuff that would be detrimental to Jamie Spears that'd be violating darn it I agree with you he's gonna still have the privilege applied for any legal advice he sought from that attorney that's going to be privileged information but I don't think he's going to be able to assert privilege as to any kind of documents or books or records or financial information but advice, I think he still will. Yeah, that's that's be, my feeling. That, that is, Denise. I think Denise taught this is going to be a, a a game changer. I think, and and I, I worry about the the effect that it's going to have on conservators one way or the other. It's like uh, if I don't have this privileged, and I'm dealing with the paperwork and showing it to my attorney, and now I got to review all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to see. But anyway, the most important thing we do at the hour three as we end this wonderful show, Radio Law Talk, we sit and do a thing called Quick Takes where we like you to remember just one short thing for the whole three hours. Cal, who do you want to go first? Well, I was thinking Denise had a lot to say on that last topic. I'd like to start with her if she wouldn't mind. Denise, do you have a quick take you can offer now? I do. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies may be blue, but there is a blow-up snowman that is struggling not to be bent over the rail. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That is Denise the T. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I, no, why, why can't we just end right there? That, why do I even I want to say anything? I should have saved it for the last. Uh, that is, just let that music go. That's a mic drop quick take, in my Can opinion. we just repeat it one last How much time do we have? We, we've got about 20 seconds. Okay, then just, then, let's end with it. Say it one more time, Denise. I'm done. I'm not saying my quick take. Todd, you don't get a quick take. I don't say it, it one more time. All right, listen to the second hour, but somewhere over the rainbow. Though. Skies may be blue, but there is a blow-up snowman struggling to not be bent over the rail. <laughs> we'll be back after this uh, in Saturday, 9 to noon, if you want to come back. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye, everyone. I'm done. I'm out here. I want my toy. It's time to pay me now. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated.
running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-882-2093. 800-882-2093. 800-882-2093. That's 800-882-2093.